Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, alongside the founder of BrewHoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden, as the Bucks now have a lead in the first round series. They beat the Magic 121-107 in, honestly, a game that wasn't that close. The Bucks led by as many as 34 points at one stage, and as is often the case in those types of games, once you rack up a lead that big, it's almost like, can this team hang on without taking their foot off the gas? The Magic hit a couple of threes and got back into it. But ultimately, Frank, I think for me, this was the first time I've watched the Bucks from a start of the game, basically right through defensively and said, I recognize this team. This is the team that I'm used to watching during the regular season. We know that this is really a, a really favorable matchup for what they're trying to do defensively. Again, we spoke about it in the last pod. They threw a different, a couple of different looks at Vucevic in game two that you know, ultimately didn't make him all that uncomfortable. I thought today they sprinkled some more of that in, and, and that was a big win for them. Slowing him down ultimately took the magic right out of this one. And overall, you walk away from this one feeling pretty damn good. Yeah, this was the, you know, Giannis MVP Defensive Player of the Year mm-hmm. highlight reel game. Um, 35 points on 12 out of 14 shooting from the field, 11 <laughs> rebounds, 7 assists, 2 steals, a block, uh, just 2 turnovers, just 2 fouls um, in only 31 minutes. Uh, and Chris Middleton, not not a great game, um, but 17 points, uh, 7 out of 17. You would have liked to see some more of those jumpers go down, but um, 8 rebounds, 6 assists certainly much more akin to what we're used to seeing from Chris Middleton. And um, yeah, like, I think what you were alluding to this, this looked and felt a lot more like a typical, you know, bucks win that we were used to seeing kind of all season long. And obviously the final margin, not as dominant as, as maybe you would have expected, but uh, Orlando made 15 out of 23 threes in the second half, including a bunch uh, you know, even down into the garbage time, they were seemingly continuing to bury threes, which, you know, Bucks were right there with them, 17 out of 37. So they also had a terrific shooting night from three. But, uh, you know, certainly if you told me before the game that the Magic would hit 19 threes, I would have been very concerned because obviously we always we always worry first and foremost with the Bucks. you know, are they going to give up a ton of threes? And, you know, is an outlier shooting night going to... Uh, going to be the thing that that perhaps does them in un, uncharacteristically but uh thankfully uh, you know other than those threes um you know really i would say a a dominant defensive performance um and even the threes i mean you know we've seen them we've seen games where they just pretty much are just you know not letting guys shoot threes almost it feels like um i, I didn't really get that and again this is more anecdotally but i i didn't feel that this was that so much that type of of game um i think the magic were like four out of five on corner threes or something like that but or maybe only three out of four i'm just looking at the uh, uh looks like three out yeah three out of four i think on on corner threes so they weren't like getting 
hemorrhaging, you know, hemorrhaging corner threes, which are obviously the ones you worry more about because they're higher percentage looks. But you know, Magic hit a bunch of above the break threes, and other than that, uh, fifty to twenty six advantage in the paint, and that free throw differential that we saw last game was uh, erased in this game. Bucks and Magic each hit twelve free throws. Um, so yeah, I thought it was just a much cleaner defensive effort. Um, and, you know, I thought again, you know, you talk about guards and wings and them working hard and then also the bigs doing what they do. Um, you know, I think we saw kind of both those things, not a dominant shot blocking performance from, from Brooke today, but, uh, we saw it a lot. We saw, felt like we saw, I don't know what the final numbers were as far as Giannis's, uh, small ball five minutes, but I think we saw a fair bit of that today and they just looked really sharp. I think from an execution standpoint, with the exception of a few possessions here and there, but you know, just, I just think a lot better execution guys, you know, just, it just felt like the floor was really compressed and guys were swarming and getting back. And, you know, a lot of that began with Giannis and he was really aggressive from the outset on, on both ends. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned the numbers for Giannis and he just spoke post game and he spoke about the, the fact that, you know, a couple of games into the series, you sort of understand what the team's trying to do. And I don't think that the Magic are showing anything crazy. I mean, Giannis sees this type of coverage every single night. He's going to see more of it as the playoffs go along from, you know, realistically better teams. So it's not going to get any easier. But you did feel coming into this game, uh, he was 22 for 48 from the field coming into this game. And that's just, I mean, you just don't see that with Giannis. He doesn't have too many games in a row where that's the case. So for him to uh, go 12 for 14 from the field, and the other big thing is uh, for him, 12 free throw attempts. The Magic team only had 14. So I know you pointed to the free throw differential there, but for the Bucks, that was big. And he knocked down nine of them. One air ball, did have one bad air ball, but outside of that, uh, he, he looks pretty good. Uh, I, I must admit, I was watching on TNT. I don't know if you were watching on TNT, Frank, but uh, there, there was a period where Stan Van Gundy was talking about Giannis and his free throw shooting deep as, as the Bucks go deeper in the playoffs. And I did uh, seriously uh, have concerns for you. But let's talk about Chris Milton a little bit because I, I wouldn't say he completely broke out of the funk. Seven for 17 from the field. Certainly positive to see him three for seven from three. But early in this game, and he admitted it after the game. He was pressing a little bit more than usual. And while a couple of those shots I thought were a little bit wild, and, and maybe you could look at that and say, okay, well, now he, he's trying too hard. For me, the problem with Chris Milton, if you're going to pick anything apart about his game, is that he can go quiet. And I thought the other day, yes, he only had two points, but he was one for eight. And I don't think there should be a playoff game uh, right the way from here on now where he doesn't have at least 10 shots. I don't care if he's one for 10. He, he needs to be shooting more. He needs to be a threat and he can't just disappear from the offense. So despite the fact he missed those early looks, I, I was really encouraged that he came out today clearly with the intention of getting on the board and scoring some more points because you know, regardless, we talk about this series and we're going to pick it apart and what happened in this game. But as the, the playoffs go on, uh, the Bucks are going to need him to always be aggressive and not sort of shy away and go into his hole a little bit. Yeah, I think he started a lot of three, zero for three in this game mm-hmm. as well, which was worrying. And then I think it was a three that he hit that was kind of like the pressure release valve. Um, only uh, one free throw attempt on an and one in this game. Didn't take a free throw in the last game, um, so I think that's still a bit of a concern. He's you know not getting kind of those cheap points by you know drawing fouls and. Um, and getting getting stuff at the line, uh, which obviously, uh, you know, when you're a 90% free throw shooter, you 
love to see him drawing fouls and, and getting it there. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a process, but again, eight rebounds, six assists, plus 30. Um, <laughs> I, I think, again, it, it's a step in the right direction at least. And, uh, you know, I mean, he came back from uh, the suspension of play looking in really good shape. Uh, obviously, he's had a bunch of big games, especially in the early phase of, uh, of the bubble seeding games. So, you know, there's no reason, I mean, unless he is concealing some injury or something else going on, it doesn't seem like there's any fundamental reason why he, you know, can't be playing at a high level. So, uh, again, obviously you hope that you get these out of the way with now and, uh, and that you're more prepared for it, um, you know, whatever comes next in these next rounds because they're going to be, they're going to be tough. Um, so, yeah, step in the right direction for Middleton, which to me was, you know, other than getting a win was probably the most important thing just like from the you know psychological perspective of uh getting this team right um and so i think you know you kind of go up and up and down the board other than that though and uh, obviously Giannis, his dominance doing stuff that uh you know you mentioned um he had not been as effective i mean 18 out of 36 on twos in those first two games you know i mean you had the 39 out of 43 stretch in the in the seeding games right where he was just unstoppable inside the arc that was what we saw today, 10 out of 11 uh, inside the arc. Only miss was on a, on a turnaround in the second half. So um, so it was, it was obviously just encouraging to see that. And then, um, you know, Brooke Lopez, 16 points on 10 shots. Bledsoe, 14 points on nine shots, including actually hitting a couple threes for a change. And he also had eight assists, three steals. Um, did have four turnovers. You know, I feel like every Bucks game is at just some, like, head scratcher, horrendous passes. I think bled through one into the, what would have been, you know, the, the fourth or fifth row if there were, if there were fans around uh, in the first half. But um, for the most part, you know, it was good to see him playing pretty, pretty aggressively as well. And, you know, I, I think again, he's got a, he can't take his foot off the gas and, you know, you hate when his primary involvement is taking early clock pull-up jumpers. <laughs> That's the last thing you want to see from him. But um, when he is, you know, taking handoffs or getting uh, isoed against big guys or just taking a pick, a pick and, you know, exploding towards the basket, that's obviously where, where he's at his best. I think we saw some of that today too. And, um, you know, this was the first game where, you know, statistically you could argue that Brooke Lopez actually outplayed Vucevic, right? I mean, you could argue Vucevic. I mean, for me, he was better than Giannis at, at the end of the day in the, each of the first two games, which is kind of crazy to think. Um, but tonight, 20 points on, on 19 shots. Eight out of nineteen, two out of eight from three. Uh, you know, he's still got some decent looks, but I thought, I thought in particular, you know, when we saw Giannis on him, um, they used Giannis and, and his quickness. He got a couple poke plays, um, and then also just the speed that that they showed, kind of throwing extra bodies at him. It just he just seemed a lot less comfortable today than uh, than he has in obviously the first two games. So overall, uh, a very encouraging night, pretty much on both ends in terms of you know, turning around some of the narratives and, you know, you mentioned the three point shooting, you know, final numbers here, 117 offensive rating for the bucks, 103.7 defensive rating. So a little higher than what they usually give up, but, or at least during the regular season, their average defensive rating. But again, I mean, you put up a 103 defensive rating on a night when the other team hits mm -hmm. 19 threes, uh, that means you're doing a lot of other things, right? And I thought the ball pressure and the, you know, turnovers, turnovers have been a problem for the bucks typically today, 18 turnovers, um, for the, uh, for the magic, unfortunately bucks also had 19 turnovers of their own. Um, but at a minimum, it felt like, you know, the bucks actually were able to use that weapon against the magic as well. 11 steals 
you know, felt like, uh, again, Bucks were using the defense to, to start offense, 14 fast break points, which, you know, hasn't really been, uh, hasn't been much of a factor in the first couple of games for Milwaukee. So that was nice to see, even if a few times it was just Giannis basically deciding that he was going to score. Clearly, this was a game where the Bucks had it mostly wrapped up pretty early, a huge lead at halftime. But you look at the minutes again, and it's, it's, it's unbelievable. 31 minutes for Chris. He topped uh, all the starters or everyone on the Bucks roster. Giannis only just scraped over 30 minutes, and the other starters were in their uh, mid to high 20s. If you look at some of the lineup data from the game, I just looked this up when you mentioned Giannis in the small ball lineup. So the starters tonight, back to their dominant ways. And, and the starting five... Uh, advanced stats weren't looking too pretty through the first two games and that was in particular due to obviously the stinker they had in game one but offensive rating 124.2 defensive rating 90.9 for the starters for a net of 33.3 that's uh that's pretty damn good and you might say well that 90 is unsustainable uh, before the restart, they, the starting lineup's defensive rating was at 89. I mean, that's that's how damn dominant they have been through the regular season. So it's nice to see that uh, you know, sort of balancing up a little bit there. Funnily enough, the second most used lineup for the Bucks today, they played six minutes together, was Kyle Korver, George Hill, Pat Connaughton, Dante DiVincenzo, and Giannis playing at the five. I don't, you know, particularly remember this lineup as being a stretch where the Bucks struggled, but it might have been during the third quarter if I had to guess when the Magic started to make their run. But they had an offensive rating of 128.6. Not bad. You'll take that. Defensive rating of 153.8 for a net rating of minus 25.3. So that lineup in particular with Giannis at the five didn't work uh, so well tonight. Interesting that when they played Giannis at the five through the second half, they weren't able to go to a, a lineup that we think they might use as the playoffs roll on. And that's because Marvin Williams was uh, in the locker room. Uh, we should bring this up. Got tangled up a little bit with James Ennis or James Anus or James Enos, as the official called him uh, on the broadcast. But Darvin Ham took a spill. He got, he got thrown to the floor. Uh, I, I thought that Darvin Ham showed pretty good restraint to, to not get up in, with any type of aggression or frustration there. Uh, he got sent packing. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, this was one of those games, like if that was, you know, Giannis and, and Vucevic, like would they have been ejected? I don't know, right? Mm-hmm. I, I would have hoped that... Yeah, it was, it was soft. Two, uh, Yeah, if it was two more important players, I really hope would have hoped they would not have ejected them. I think... I kind of wondered that when they when they get dished out the ejections was it partly because they were just the refs were just like all right this game's like blown wide open like Ennis with the way he plays like they exactly. just were like all right you know we just want to get these guys out of here because we it don't want to have this spill over into something bigger later in the game and and you know then we look back and say like geez we could have just <laughs> could have just tossed these guys earlier and gotten this out of, out of our hair but but yeah I, I um, you know I, I definitely think in in the you know, not. I don't think it was necessarily worthy of uh, of an ejection, but you know, anytime guys, yeah, you know, it wasn't a real fight, obviously. And it's kind of took a very exaggerated swipe at Marvin's arm because Marvin was kind of had his hand in his jersey, so uh, Ennis kind of ticked that little swing. And at first view, I, I know the announcers were wondering whether it was a punch, but you know, it wasn't a real. It wasn't like he was trying to punch Marvin in the face. And as you said, there was some collateral damage with uh, our guy Darvin Ham. <laughs> kind of losing his balance, which isn't easy. I mean, Darwin is not right. a small dude. Um, but, uh, yeah, and the tiny official was kind of stuck in between there as well. So, 
um, you know, again, I I'll ultimately, thankfully, uh, the game, I mean, you look at it in hindsight, right? The game after that was, you know, there wasn't really any kind of notable chippiness or anything you'd probably say was, was particularly dirty or anything like that. So um, I think, I think it was a net positive for the Bucks, just because I think Ennis has, you know, been part of the group that, that has kind of annoyed Middleton in particular. Um, but uh, obviously at that point of the game, the Bucks were in control. So I don't, I don't think Magic fans are, you know, if the Bucks win the series, I don't think Magic fans are going to look back on this game and say, oh, but only if Ennis hadn't been ejected, then, you know, what might have been. <laughs> It kind of reminded me a little bit of, if you remember back to the first round last year, where I was actually surprised there was a couple of plays. One really sticks out in my mind where Andre Drummond uh, sort of shoved Giannis as he was in midair. And at that point, the game was, it might have been game one, but the Bucs were up by 30 plus points and they didn't eject Andre Drummond. And it, it kind of shocked me. And maybe it was because it was Drummond. I feel like if it was any other player, you know, maybe Thon Maker, they'd probably say, all right, get the hell out of here, man. Because the game at that point was out of hand, and I do agree with you. I felt that they were just like, listen, let's get on top of this thing before it gets too far. It was funny to see some NBA players uh, tweeting out uh, their knowledge of Marvin Williams and saying that he never really gets fired up, but don't mess with him. And he does kind of have that look, man. He's been around for a long time. It's like, don't don't fuck with Marvin. Like, if you piss him off, uh, he seems like the type of guy that would uh, handle himself well. Let's just say that. One guy I wanted to mention... We haven't spoke a lot about him in this series, but I, I do think that he deserves a lot of credit. Wesley Matthews uh, he continues to shoot the ball well from three. Three for six uh, from three tonight. That was his nine points. That's basically the only way he's shooting the ball at the moment, but he has come up with timely threes. You watch him on the defensive end. Coming into this series, obviously Vucevic is a guy that can score. We know that. He's an all-star. But the three guys that we certainly identified and highlighted as guys that... If they get hot, they could, you know, present some sort of problem. Terrence Ross, we know he can be a bit of a flamethrower off the bench. And DJ Augustine played pretty well tonight for 24 points. But Evan Fournier is a guy that has really hurt the Bucks in the past. He really has. He just hasn't been able to get going at all in this series. Two for six from three tonight. Uh, he did have a couple of good looks that just missed. But ultimately, I think Wesley Matthews chasing him around on the perimeter. Again, you continue to look at this guy right through the series. He wants the challenge. He takes the challenge. And more often than not, uh, he gets the job done. And I, I think, you know, the Bucs have still got some work to do in this series. There's no doubt about that. But you talk about good preparation for chasing Duncan Robinson around in the next round. Uh, that's going to be the job Wesley has. But again, just just solid. Just really solid. Well, it's interesting. I thought this was the Bucks' best defensive performance um, since probably the second half against Miami, where obviously we saw West running around uh, having to play with as much discipline as possible on on Duncan Robinson. Actually, I was kind of curious. I mean, do you put do you put West on him, or do you put him on his former Marquette buddy Jimmy Butler? I, I would have guessed you probably put him on Jimmy, just because Jimmy's you know kind of more of that threat to uh to to kind of try to bully and and you know be the facilitator but mm. um yeah i mean you kind of you wish west could could kind of run around and you know do his west thing against both those guys i think it's going to have to be chris middleton defending one of those one of those two um which obviously you you worry about from chris's standpoint which is he's going to have to really work hard defensively in addition to carrying some of the load offensively but you know, we'll worry about I, that. I'll just when, say I don't think get that he's far. capable of, of chasing Duncan Robinson around. I'll say that. I'll put that on the table early. But as you said, that's uh, still a, a fair way off. Yeah. 
Yeah. And Chris has had to run around. Uh, I mean, a number of bucks have had to run mm-hmm. around uh, against Terrence Ross, right? I mean, yeah. Ross is probably a, a good guy to have to go against, uh, you know, Stan Van Gundy, who's, who's awesome uh, as an announcer. Uh, I, he, you know, he talked about uh, Ross, how Ross comes off screens as hard as anybody. And, you know, he, he doesn't just, I mean, obviously we know that he likes to come off curls and, and shoot those rapid fire three pointers, but he also, we saw in, in the first game, I mean, he caught Chris napping, uh, darting to the hoop and, and curling to the basket on back cuts and things like that. So, um, so yeah, uh, Chris and the rest of the Bucks getting hopefully at least a little bit of, even though the Magic are not, you know, typically what you'd call a, <laughs> a floor stretching team, um, they're obviously getting a, a bit of a workout, having to run around uh, on on at least a few of the, at least a couple of the Magic, right, with with Fournier and, and Ross. But yeah, Fournier Fournier struggles are are probably the thing that you know, um, if Magic fans look back on these first three games and say, you know, what what could have you know turn things around a little bit more for us like what would have given us a chance to maybe take two of these first three obviously Fournier not not really being able to uh to get into any kind of really consistent groove would would probably be the obvious thing because he's obviously as you said been a guy that has killed the bucks Ross has been a guy that's killed the bucks uh over the years it's felt like um but uh you know today he got off a little bit but but again um you know kind of a you know in, indicative of the the way the Bucks have uh, have won all year, even they can give up these big three point shooting nights, and um, they just went. That's the uh, ESPN autoplay coming in again, uh, <laughs> as as it did the other day. But um, I'm looking at the Terrence Ross page. Yeah, I mean he's had 18, 12, and 20 points in the three games. Game two, only 29 percent shooting today, 62 percent uh, hit four out of seven three. So he was obviously dangerous, but. Uh, you know, again, the Bucks beat you up in so many other phases of the game, especially today, not giving up free throws or the stuff at the in the paint. Um, it just makes makes life very difficult. Twenty six paint points, just twelve points from the foul line. Um, they did have twelve mid range points, uh, but you know, again, they they really uh, were were extremely dependent on the three point shot. And obviously, for the Bucks, when they shoot well from three. Uh, they were really, really hard to beat and obviously a really nice balanced performance uh, from a number of guys playing, maybe not playing above their heads by any stretch. I mean, only four guys in double figures, but you know, you look at Chris, Brooke, Bled, all of them were at least in the range of, of what you expect from them offensively. And then you did have other guys uh, doing enough to kind of compensate, which, you know, again, when Giannis goes for 35 on 14 shots, uh, you're probably going to be, be having a very good game. So one of the things we've wondered, and particularly uh, I spoke about this with Camille when she was on the pod uh, after game one, we did just talk about the body language of the Bucks and the way they've been sort of talking after games through the seeding games and then certainly game one. And there was a lot of talk about, you know, it's tough in the bubble and you can't get away from basketball. And clearly, you know, there's a lot of guys in this team that are missing their families and certainly looking forward to getting them in the bubble at the end of the first round. But uh, I think today we saw, and certainly this started in game th- uh, two a little bit, but we saw it in game three today, the aggression, the intensity, and also just the emotion. I mean, we saw Brook Lopez again. I'm not sure why he was smashing a chair, but we saw Brook Lopez smashing a chair again. Uh, Giannis was fired up for Chris Middleton baskets for his own dunks. He That was the most emotive we've seen him since the, the bubble came back, I think. And then ultimately, I think we saw some guys having fun. 
and we we saw after the game that they were smiling and it just felt like they got their mojo back a little bit and Laurie Nickel over with the Journal Sentinel asked Giannis about playing with that edge playing with that chip on the on their shoulder and he spoke about it a little bit but part of the answer was uh, he said we have high confidence about ourselves we believe in our team we believe in our game plan we believe in our coach but at the end of the day we aren't champions and then he went on to say we can't come in here and think that anything's going to be handed to us because we were the number one seed we learned last year that that doesn't mean anything when you get to the playoffs and we had to get back uh, playing like a team that is chasing something and that's chasing the title and chasing the championship so I don't know. I mean, we speculated right through the seeding games. Where is this team's head at in regards to what they're playing for in those games, which was nothing? They came in and had a stinker in game one. And it does just feel like they've been awoken a little bit, saying game two was certainly a step in the right direction. And as I sort of pointed to right at the top, today felt like a more recognizable version of the Milwaukee Bucks from the first tip. And you pointed to the defensive effort they had against Miami. But this was right from the outset, and we simply haven't seen that. And from now, listening to the players talk after the games, and clearly it's different when you win. There's no doubt about that. But it just feels like they've got it back a little bit. They're feeling a little bit better about themselves, and they're feeling, feeling like themselves. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, um, you know, now they're playing from the front in the series for the first time, so they're where they would have expected to be after, after game one, yeah. uh, up a game in the series. And so I think at this point, obviously, you know, the expectation is you, you know, uh, stomp, stomp the magic out these next two games or, you know, and again, you, not that you have to crush them by 30 both games, but, you know, at this point, um, I think if, if you want to keep this going in the right direction, obviously you, you don't want to lose another game in the first round. Uh, you want to keep building on what they're doing right now. And, and again, I mean, things happen game to game, but I think in general, uh, you obviously want to continue to see Middleton, Bledsoe, Brooke in particular continue to play at a, at an improved level. You know, Brooke's obviously generally been very good in the bubble, other than uh, that game one performance. But um, you know, just kind of keep, keep doing what you're doing. And uh, yeah, I mean, the, the emphasis was on defense after this game, and I think obviously, you know, I think we, I think we've all agreed it's that's where things have started for this team all year, and so continue to play the math game the way that they have and particularly against the magic, you know, the, the math game tends to work because they're not typically a great three point shooting team. Um, although ironically, I, I mean, it's, it's funny the, the missing uh, Gordon and, and MCW. I mean, I don't want to say that they're better because of it uh, because obviously they're, you know, like playing Gary Clark 35 minutes per game is, is not, <laughs> it's not ideal uh, if you're the magic by any stretch. Um, and credit to, you know, the guys that have had to step up for them and, and kind of play minutes beyond what they normally would. But, um, you know, defensively, certainly Gordon would, would help MCW probably helps sure defensively. Uh, but offensively, those guys, you know, probably are not going to help a whole lot just because they let the bucks play the way that they would ideally want to play, which is, you know, not needing to, uh, to really cover out to the three point line the way that, um, you know, you would if, if teams had shooters everywhere. So uh, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see if, if those guys do play at some point in this series just because, um, you know, it gives them kind of a different look. But I don't know if that – especially offensively, I just don't know that it makes them harder to guard, right, which, um, which would be interesting to kind of keep an eye on. But, uh, but, yeah, at this point the expectation is, you know, you, you got to close the series out. The sooner the better, you know, 
obviously you're working on your game a little bit, but you don't want to work on your game for six games in the first round or God forbid seven games, right? You want to, you want to close this out at this point over the next two games. And hopefully that, that happens. And also encouraging that, you know, this was a, a nap, uh, a napless Giannis mm-hmm. day, uh, a noon start. Um, they've had obviously a, a much higher percentage of day games here in the bubble, just because of the way scheduling has to work. They, had Miami, I think, at three three central time as well. So that was an early game that obviously they ultimately played very well in. But uh, but yeah, we know we know Giannis. I think historically has probably needed that nap. And uh, today, obviously, uh, he did not look like he needed any any extra rest. He was sharp from from the tip. So just to your point about Aaron Gordon on the season, three point eight three point attempts per game at thirty percent. So I certainly agree. I mean, he's not he's not a guy that's just going to hang out on the perimeter like. You know, you can say what you want about Gary Clark, but he's at least doing that. He's at least asking the question, and I'm not sure whether Aaron Gordon does that. As far as Game 4 goes, I think we've mostly covered everything we needed to here with Game 3, but Game 4 is on Monday. That's going to be a 12.30 tip, so another noon uh, weekday game, which absolutely sucks. But listen, if if the Bucs take this one, hopefully Game 5 is at night and they can wrap this thing up. It looks like Miami might be waiting for him. They're up 16 points right now as we're recording just after halftime, looking to take a 3-0 lead. And I'm really curious to see how these teams respond. Philadelphia, we'll see. They're in a 3-0 hole, but in the bubble, you reckon some of those teams are are already looking towards getting home and getting out of the bubble. So we'll see uh, how teams start to respond when they're in a, a heavy deficit in the series. Certainly Orlando will be asking those questions. But before we wrap this up, it's worth noting, Coach of the Year, somewhat out of absolutely nowhere was it was announced tonight i had no idea that this was going to happen nick nurse got the honor and i think to the surprise of no one really maybe a surprise was the fact that bud came second he ended up picking five uh picking up five first place votes nick nurse had 90 out of 100 so it was yeah not too far off being a unanimous decision for nick nurse but bud uh, you know, still gets the respect of the coaches. And it's interesting. I mean, there's never been a back-to-back coach of the year. Uh, the only coaches to have won the three coach of the year awards, uh, Greg Popovich, Don Nelson, and Pat Riley. So <laughs> listen, if Bud uh, does manage to win a third one, or he did manage to uh, sneak in and win that award uh, today, it would have been pretty damn historic, but uh, no doubt about it. I mean, Bud would have, but would have become a coach to win to have three 60-win seasons if the season wasn't cut short. We feel pretty confident about that. So uh, second in Coach of the Year. Well done to Coach Bud. Yeah, I mean, I think that was the correct outcome, especially like with Coach of the Year. I mean, you know, like Nick Nurse, obviously, if you included playoffs, was the guy that, that would have won yeah, Coach true. of the Year last <laughs> year if, if that had happened. So, um, you know, I think only fair that, that he would get that honor this year. Very well deserved. And, you know, and, and not to say that he didn't deserve it for the regular season this year either. I think you know he certainly did did everything that you could have expected to deserve that. Just given uh, w- losing Kawhi Leonard and still playing at, at such an incredible level um, this year in Toronto, so uh, yeah, that was that was the right outcome. And um, you know now now Bud's got obviously bigger uh, bigger ambitions. He's got to go out and prove that that he can win a championship, and um, and then we'll you know. I, We've obviously got uh, award-wise. I think we're all much more interested in uh, in seeing the official MVP and DPOY uh, awards get announced. But yeah, I was also surprised. I didn't. I just didn't realize. I, I has there been? I mean, we should probably know this before we start talking about it on the podcast. Like, 
I, I assume that they were going to, I, I know, obviously they're not having a, you know, a typical award ceremony, but are they just going to start randomly announcing awards over the next couple of weeks? Kind of like they used to do um, during the playoffs or I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of now like realizing I don't really know when these awards are getting announced. Well, I just didn't see any announcement about it. Someone asked me on Twitter if that was going to be the case. And I was like, I got no damn idea. I got no clue if that's what's going to happen. I was shocked. I was, uh, you know, this was an early start for me. I, I watched this game from bed. And uh, when that notification came through, I was, I was shocked. I just was surprised that that's the case. But it would be cool. It would be cool if Giannis could pick up that second MVP and hopefully Defensive Player of the Year before the season is done before the playoffs are done. And uh, Doris Burke, who was on the call for game two, announced that she gave Giannis the vote for MVP and Defensive Player of the Year. So she's, as we all know, she's a smart basketball woman. And uh, overall, I think the excitement will still build for that award, but the excitement is still going to build for this series as well. I mentioned to you uh, this before we started recording, but I'm just happy now the Bucks have a lead. I feel like uh, it's just it's just exhale a little bit. Even in this even in this fourth quarter today, when I got back to 12 points, I was just like, oh geez, hang on a second. I mean, let's not uh, let's not mess around with this too much. And funnily enough, it was an Eric Bledsoe three that bounced all over the place that finally felt yeah. the Bucks were able to uh, catch their rhythm. That's the first three for Bledsoe in the playoffs. By the way, I think he was 0 for nine before that one. But Bucks end up winning. Very comfortably, 121 to 107, Frank. Another day game on Monday, as I mentioned. Early start for all once again, but hopefully one step closer to them wrapping this thing up. Yeah, and I just, I just looked it up. That apparently, there's no, uh, there's no set time for when these awards are getting announced. That, but I think all that's been said in, by the NBA official is that they'll be announced during TNT's coverage mm-hmm. of the NBA restart. So... So who knows? I guess I guess we won't hear it during ESPN days, but only only during uh, TNT days uh, the announcement. So um, I don't know. I, I imagine the uh, I imagine the MVP will probably come last. So uh, who knows? Uh, hopefully the Bucks. Hopefully the Bucks are going to be playing when, when whenever that gets announced. But I certainly feel a little bit better uh, about their trajectory right now. But uh, again, you know, kind of just. Continuing to build on uh, on maybe a, a a not not so great start, obviously to the playoffs, but but obviously game game two much better than game one. And I would say game three better than than game two, and you know it's the old Bucks cliche: get better every day. Hopefully that actually uh, continues here as we as we move forward. All right, that's it. I'm going back to bed. I'm calling it a day. Geelong plays football later on. I got to get ready for that game, Frank. Thank you for jumping on. Uh, listen, you, you messaged me during the game. You, you put your daughter down. This is normally nap time for you on a Saturday afternoon. You said, if Giannis gets no nap, I'm getting no nap. So you pushed through for the podcast. Uh, I mean, if anyone, <laughs> listen, listen, if anyone ever doubted your dedication, I mean, come on. That, that's all you need to hear uh, about Frank Madden and his commitment to Locked On Bucks. But they said, Monday afternoon, we'll be back after that one. Stay safe out there and we'll speak to you guys then. <laughs>